You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's time for the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on BallQuest. Hey everybody, welcome to the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast every Thursday here at BallQuest.com and on the BallQuest YouTube channel. Like this video and subscribe to the channel on YouTube if you haven't already. I'm Eric Kane alongside Austin Price, Grant Ramey, and Brent Hubbs. Got a lot of questions to get into as Tennessee's 2022 season is now officially over and heading on into a busy month of January with recruiting for 2024 and, of course, the transfer portal. Let's go ahead and get started with Brandon underscore SV. As a whole, excluding the quarterback position, do you think the 2023 team will have more or less talent than the 2022 team? At a glance, it feels like no because Tennessee's losing NFL draft picks. But in 2022, we got better despite losing players to the NFL. Your thoughts, Brent Hubbs? Uh, I mean, I think on the surface, you know, when you talk about losing guys like Darnell Wright, how highly they acclaimed they are for the draft, and Jalen Hyatt, you, you know, and Hendon Hooker, you think this team's not going to be as talented. I think in spots they can be more talented, depending on development. Um, but but I don't think that I don't think they're going to replace Darnell Wright at right tackle with a better right tackle for next year. Now somebody may develop into a good right tackle, but I don't I don't think you're going to even trade when you look at Darnell Wright. I thought Squirrel White Grant did some really good things. He's not Jalen Hyatt, different type of player. I don't think that's the same one-for-one one in terms of trades there. So um, when you look at what they're losing, it's it's hard to say they're going to be more talented overall, but in spots, I think they can be. And it's also just hard to exclude the QB when you're having this conversation because the QB is so important to everything this offense does. I mean, Jalen Hyatt's not Jalen Hyatt without Hinnon Hooker, and Squirrel Agreed. White might not be – what Jalen Hyatt was because he doesn't have him and Hooker. Maybe him and Joe Milton can continue that connection that they kind of started in the Orange Bowl. But excluding the QB, I think yeah, I think Hubs is right. There's areas where they can be better. I mean, the secondary has to be better moving forward. It has to be. It's just something that has to get done. But when you exclude the QB, it's kind of hard to have this conversation because so much relies on it in this Josh Heupel system where you're just trying to outscore whatever your defense has given up every week. That's just how the, how they have to live and, and how they have to get by regardless of talent. See, I think they do take a, a bit of a step back on the offensive side of the ball, at least for the short term. I, I think they take a huge leap on defense, though. I, I, I think talent-wise, depth, they're going to be so much better on defense than they were this past year. They're going to be deeper at linebacker. They're going to be deeper on the defensive line, more talented on the defensive line. And I think they're going to be deeper and more talented in the secondary. Now, they've still got to commit to playing more kids, especially in the secondary. I think that you will see um, them play a lot more players at linebacker because I think they that BJ's finally getting that room to where he wants it to be. And, like, you know, I think he's had to kind of play the rotation he's had out of necessity the last couple of years. I think he's super excited about the growth of Beasley. 
super excited about Keenan Peely. And I think he really is excited about these five young kids, the two last year, and then, of course, the three they just signed um, this year. So I think it's, to answer the question, uh, at least for me answering the question, I think it's kind of a little bit of a both, Eric. I think in areas they'll take maybe a, a step back and, and for at least a pause. And, and then in other areas, I think they'll take a giant leap. And by the way, anybody that wanted to know the terms of the deal when Grant called Hubs and said, man, I just want to come work with you guys at BallQuest. Brent said, Grant, you have to wear a hat with my first initial on it every podcast, <laughs> and that's exactly what has happened. No, this is the first. This is the first one. Oh, you didn't have a B on the other day. I wouldn't oh, have a B. Oh. Here's, here's the thing, Eric, on, on that question, too. There's a difference between talent and production. They can be more talented, but are they going to be more productive? How how ready are those young guys to play? I, I think they're more talented at linebacker. How much more productive will they be? Because I don't know how long it's going to take Arian Carter to get ready and, and Caleb Perry to take a step and um, T. Lander and those guys. Talented, yes. Production, th- those are kind of th- – those are a little mutually exclusive in some categories, particularly with young players. Yeah, and then uh, again on the offensive side of the football, you are not going to break school records every single year. Now, Josh Heupel <laughs> yeah. might say, hold my beer and watch me go. But, <laughs> I mean, you're not going to set a new school record uh, for, for points in a season every single year. You're not going to lead the nation in, in yards and points every single year. You could be top 10, and that could be really good. But that's kind of where this offense is right now. So, um, got a couple here from Athrun. Austin, let's go rapid fire here. They're, they're all pretty decent, so I want to get them in. Uh, what type of wide receiver would Thornton be in the system? Uh, he can play both inside and outside. He'll be like Jalen Hyatt. I, I think you'll see him play the slot, and if they need to kick him outside, he's very comfortable doing that. Is Omar Norman Lott the top D-line priority right now, or is it somebody else? It's Omar Norman Lott. You've been hinting at Selden at running back forever, but it's known that he wants to play receiver. Where will he start out, and has he been thinking of changing to running back? I think Selden just wants to play. He wants the ball in his hands and wherever that comes. If that's a receiver, I think that's where you'd be very comfortable at. I think if it's a running back, he'll also be very comfortable there. They're going to move him around, but I do think in the spring with the, um, you know, depth or whatever you want to call it, um, you know, like even if right and, 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 and small are back, those guys aren't going to be going through spring because they're having shoulder surgery and wrist surgery, um, you know, they won't be there. So, you know, Selden, Deshaun Bishop, they're going to get plenty of run to go along with Dylan Sampson, who will get, you know, the, the most carries. Um, so, you know, I think Selden starts definitely at running back. Is it possible that Tank loses his spot to Christian Charles, assuming Wesley Walker is at the other safety spot? I don't know if it's necessarily Christian Charles, but I mean, like, you know, I, I think ultimately, you know, Tennessee would love to see a healthy dose of of competition there um, across the board, not just for, for tank spot. You know, you know, I think they want to see um, this, those, a lot of that youth kind of, you know, whether it's players that, you know, were, you know, freshmen the past year or these newcomers um, establish themselves and, and push the older players either get past them or push them to be better. One of the two, I mean, Tennessee's got to get more athletic in the back end. I've beat that drum. Um, you know, again, I just feel like to take a step on defense, you've got to be more athletic. And then I'm finally, kind of on that same for, note, oh, go ahead, Brent. I'm just saying I'm an advocate for finding somebody who at safety who can track the ball and play the ball in the air. I don't care who it is. Just find somebody who can play the ball in the air. I mean, t- Tennessee at that position, athletic, non-athletic, 
late re- – whatever the case may be, they, they misplayed the ball in the air. They misplayed two balls in the air against Clemson. Both of them should have been picked. Um, will, will they got to somebody back you, there to play the ball. Will you commit to if they don't make many changes and we see the same old song and dance of bad angles and, and lack of playing the ball that – Early on in the year, during the game broadcast, you will just say, somebody, anybody, just those two words. Last thing here from Athron Austin, do freshmen freshman quarterbacks steal at least one of the starting spot away since the returning players, some of those guys might be injured and out for spring? Uh, I mean, I think they, they have the door open. But again, freshmen getting to the field and playing – a lot is is more difficult will they play yes i do think that they that some of them will factor in some form or fashion but starting um eh, i'm not ready to go there yet and and it's kind of one of those things where I, it's kind of like you know they, how many people on the board say well i've got to see it to believe it when it comes to you know Jalen mccullough not being the starter i agree i think Jalen. I, I think i think Jalen mccullough agrees <laughs> Let's go to Vol Guy 23. With tight end being a thin position, can you see them being more of a spread with four wide receivers next year, Brent? No. No. I, I think the tight end position is too valuable to this offense. Um, could they do it every now and then? Perhaps. But I think when if you've looked at this offense for the last two years, if you've looked at it in, in Josh Heupel's tenure, the, the tight end's just too important because of what they do in the run game the motion that they do with them, the, the ability to block on the perimeter, the ability to block in line. I think they have to have a tight end on the field. So that, that's why you didn't for, – for fear of getting someone hurt, that's why they didn't play two tight end sets this year because I think they felt like they had to have a tight end available all the time. Um, and, and so they didn't play Fant Warren very often at the same time. They did a little bit, but not a whole lot uh, because they have to have a tight end in this offense. Nashville 615 with the situation on Monday Night Football. Grant, can you discuss what happened with Inky Johnson during his game in the following days? I guess you would have been in school at that time. He's I a true inspiration, school. a negative that turned into a, a great positive. Has he spoken to any of Heupel's teams yet? I, I don't know. Has he? Y'all know better than that. Yeah, I would sure. say yes. I would he has. Yeah. It, it, he he has. spoke to every team on the earth. I mean, Inky, Inky gets around. I mean, I'm not making fun. Like, I mean, he, right. like, that's his job. I mean, like, because he's so good at it. Whether it's it's Georgia, Alabama, Toledo State, or West Tahiki State, like they 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 bring him in, and he is a motivational speaker. That's what he does every day, and uh, and so yes, he spoke to to Tennessee. He spoke to Tennessee almost every year that he's been gone. Um, and and Hubs, you remember that? I, mean, I, I was you know not, I was fresh out of school, um, but that was a scary situation. You know, yeah, it was it was very different than than what happened Monday night, and 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 Cincinnati. Was a deal, you know, because there was no when when Inky Johnson left the field on a stretcher, um, no one knew the severity of the injury. Okay, uh, he he raised his hand and and gave a thumbs up, which made you feel good. There was obviously a lot of concern and worry, but it was one of those deals. They went right back to playing because nobody had any idea it was that bad the Sunday morning following that game I, I remember getting the phone call that that was told he had had emergency surgery overnight and he had a blood vessel issue in his subluclavian which is in, in the shoulder area and that his football career was over and he just didn't believe it because it didn't feel anything like that when he left the field 
Um, so that one is very different. There, there's nothing. There's nothing to compare. In 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 my in in my viewing of sports in person on TV and anyway n- nothing there's nothing to compare to what we saw Monday night um, just just nothing just nothing at all uh, to to see anything like that so um, Inkies was scary you just had no idea the severity of it when he left Neyland Stadium that night against Air Force the, the scariest part Monday night was how routine of a play that looked like that looked yeah. like a play that happens every single time the football snapped. I mean, that was a very standard tackle. It was not some – like, I never saw – I didn't see it happen live. I, I looked up at the TV and saw all the players reacting, and I just assumed it was one of those hits over the middle where it's a head or neck injury and, and you're putting the guy on a, on, a, on a backboard and taking him off. I had no idea it was the – he just took that shot to the chest, got up, and collapsed. Like, that's the scariest part. But Inky was on – I saw him on Nashville radio – uh, Wednesday morning talking about this situation and kind of what could be the future and, and how he kind of moved on from this. But I don't know. And the, the, the hope is that obviously the hope and the prayer is that Demar Hamlin is able to wake up and come out of this and see the reaction that has been happening since Monday night. The not, all, not only the money that's gone to his charity and that GoFundMe and the crazy numbers, but just the reaction from the sports world to the situation. Weltley for Live has two questions. What are the top two positions of importance for the 2024 football recruiting class and any possible names for tight end OC hires, any names lurking about, Austin? You know, uh, staying on both sides of the ball, uh, I'll go offensive tackle, um, you know, on offense. And then defensively, you know, I'll continue to go, you know, either, you know, defensive line or, or, or secondary. Yeah, I've got to go defensive interior. Um, you like I mean, tight end hubs, and I, and I don't disagree with that. And I tight end like is, you know, they're, they're going to be in a situation where they're going to be in the portal for a tight end until they get <laughs> multiple tight ends in a class to get some depth built there. Yeah. Because, I mean, right now they could stand to take another tight end. Yep. Okay? Jacob Warren's coming back, but they could still take another tight end, and, and they need a tight end with multiple years of eligibility, not a one-and-done type guy. I don't know that they'll get one in the portal, but, I mean – they, they could certainly use another tight end there. Uh, but but offensive tackle, defensive lineman, I think those are positions of need every year in every recruiting class. I don't think you can look at a recruiting class and say, hey, we don't need a three technique and we don't need an offensive tackle. You're going to need one of those in every class. As for the OC tight ends job, we'll see. It's not going to be an OC job, right, Austin? I mean, I think I think all of us agree that it's going to be – the OC is going to be some combination of Joey Paulsley and, and, and Glenn Ellerby. I mean – We've all said that, Eric. You, you've, you've, all of us have said that. Um, so the question becomes: Who do you hire as that position coach at tight end? I don't know. I mean, we, we've heard Jeff Ferris's name. I don't know who else is going to float around out there. I mean, you're getting into a timeline now. You can bring NFL guys into play, and it's not an NFL position coach. It could be an NFL analyst. Yep. Right. Who's looking to get on the field that that Josh Heupel knows? You're bringing in all kinds of possibilities with the timeline that you're getting into now. No, that's right. And, and I, you know, I think we all kind of expect this to be a kind of a, you know, pass game coordinator, run game coordinator type promotion type stuff for Joey Halsley and, and Glenn Ellerby. That's the, that's the feel that it, you know, it just the vibe you get, the feel that you get. Um, and, and it would be a nice, you know, deal for those guys. Um, you know, I, I think whoever they hire needs to be able to recruit, recruit the South hubs. I think that's very, very important. Uh, you know, Last year they promoted Kelsey Pope. I thought Kelsey Pope did a really nice job. He's now got a huge feather in his cap. 
with Jalen Hyatt winning the Blitnikoff Award to go uh, to go into homes and talk to receiver prospects. I'm not sure you can promote anybody on this staff to that position. I think you've got to go out and hire somebody to coach tight ends um, and do some and hire someone that can recruit and recruit the South. I think that's a very very important. With the 2023 schedule shaping up to be more favorable than 2022, obviously Joe Milton needs to play up to his potential. Lay out a scenario, Grant, where Tennessee has 11-plus wins again. What oh, position Grant. groups or players must break out? Oh, you better go to Florida and win. This, this uh, is like Captain Kangaroo picture pages here. None of y'all oh know that. Go ahead. Go ahead, Grant. No, that, that is a reference that is, that is way beyond me. What position groups – uh, players break out. Obviously, Joe Milton. Yeah, Joe Milton, start there. Um, he's got to be that guy. He, I, I don't think he's going to produce like in Anuka. I think that's an impossible ask. I don't know who his running backs are going to be at this point, but, I mean, you're going to have to go to Florida and win, and I don't know. The schedule, you can. We were asking the the chat Monday, and I, I went down the schedule. If, if you could find eight or nine wins, I think eight or nine wins could be, uh, I don't know if I want to say the floor, but somewhat expected based on what we saw this year. I agree with um, that. But at the same time, uh, a, a year ago today, if you asked me about an 11 win season in, in 2022, I would, have, I would have told you you're insane. But I think it's going to start with you better go to Gainesville and win. And you better take care of business at home like they did this year, even though the schedule is a little bit lighter at home uh, in 2023 and, and go from there. Yep. You got, you, I agree. You have to win in Gainesville. You got to be Texas A&M because that's next year's version of LSU. And, you know, yeah, don't have the hiccup against South Carolina. At that point, you're sitting there at 10, um, again, likely, and you'd have a shot. I think if Tennessee can go 9-3, and three, play in the Citrus Bowl, win that, and get to 10-3, and three, I think that's a huge, huge back-to-back year um, deal for Tennessee to get double-digit wins uh, in back-to-back years and then uh, set up the uh, beginning of the Nico era. Again, though, and this is not rocket science, you have got to have adequate quarterback play. If you don't have that, then this all goes in the tank for sure. And we've seen a couple of years like that here in recent memory, um, you know, prior to Hendon Hooker being in Knoxville. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, let's go to Terry Bowleg. Is is Jalen Wright more than likely hitting the portal? Is there any effort to help him? Is there any urgency to add a portal running back, or are they comfortable with uh, the room without Wright? At the time of this recording, things can change a mile a minute, but where are we at right now, Austin? Well, and I think that's the biggest thing is it's so fluid. I mean, and I think that's the one message I would tell the board is, like, it, you can't if – you, if you try to fill the board in on every little bit of movement, they'd lose their mind. They wouldn't be able to handle it. They wouldn't like it. Um, 
They'd hate they it. Would hate, they would hate 80% of the football team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's my point. Like, And that's what I tried to tell the guy last night on the board. Um, I think there's definitely an avenue where he comes back. Um, I think that, you know, I think a lot of this stuff, you know, not all of it, and I'm not even saying Jalen Wright, but I think some of this stuff with these players is a lot of posturing. Because, look, man, what, what you know, what do a lot of, you know, coaches do? Hey, man, what Trooper Taylor do, Hubs? Hey, they want me to go here. Give me a raise. They want me to go there. Give me a raise. Eventually, you call them on their bluff, and they either have to go or take what they've been getting. So, like, you know, a lot of it's posturing. And so I think that you have to weed through, you know, what's real, what's not. It could cause you to lose a kid. It, it could not. And, 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 you know, that's that's one of those things where, you know, right now it, it changes a lot. And so right now, as we said here, you know, on this Wednesday – I would tell you that that it's you know still two up in the air about both those running backs and there's an avenue where they both are back and there's an avenue where they're both not here and I know that's kind of riding the fence but it's what you have to kind of do with the portal because things change so quick and they change all the time. Brent, if one of those guys leave, especially if both, but if one of those guys leave, are you going to the portal and, and trying to find another guy? I think you look in the portal, but I don't think you take a guy just to take a guy. Yeah. Um, I, I think you got to believe, you know, you should believe in Dylan Sampson. Um, you know, you, you, you signed the kid, the Keith kid from, from Alabama. Um, now well, I think if you lose it, both, you got to go get somebody. Yeah, you if, get you, Ron, if you lose right? both of them, that's a different conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but, but if you don't, then I don't, I don't know that it's a one for one. I don't think you take a guy just to take a guy. I, I think we've seen Tennessee do that, particularly at that position. It didn't work out very well. Um, I don't think you have to take a guy just Andre to say London. London. Just yeah, just to say my numbers are yeah, I have, from this past I have the exact number of guys I'm supposed to have in the room. So yeah. Austin, it's, it's Madry London. Madry. I mean Madry London's a player. <laughs> Am I, I I feel like I'm the president of the Jalen Wright fan club because I think I would counter with the kid if he if he's wanting to counter it because I think he's that good. Am I crazy? I think he's really good. Oh, I think he's the best back in the room. I think yes, he's the most talented back in the room. And I'll say this too. Austin and Grant, you jump in here too. I think he's a guy who made significant strides from year one to year two. Oh, easily. I just don't know that we talked about it a lot because Jalen Hyatt was running wide open and Small seemed to get all the goal line carries. I know, I know, Jalen Wright had the early fumble issues. He had a bad one against Pittsburgh, but he cleaned that mess. He cleaned that stuff up, you know. And um, he was their best running back all season, particularly the back half of the season. Yeah, I, I think the, the the ball security stuff is is isn't. You know, it's a convenient crutch for some, but like I think that's way overblown. I'm with Hubs. Like, I mean, you know, he did not have any fall camp at all, and he he, he put the ball on the ground the first couple of games, and after that, he didn't put the ball on the ground anymore. Georgia, like, you know, did he at Georgia? Maybe he, he did. fumbled that's once right. at Georgia, I believe. Yeah. But I mean, but that that was it. You know, um, either way, like I'm with Grant. I think he's. I, here's what I. This is my take. Between he and Jabari, I think he's the more talented of the two, right? I don't think we know enough about Dylan Sampson to judge him versus those guys yet. That that's that's how I would look at it because he's not he's not seeing the playing time. What sticks out to me is I just remember the recruitment and the commitment, and he was the speedster kid who you get him out in space and let him go. But the way he runs as tough as he does, as, physic- as physically as he does, that's caught me off guard. I guess as his as his career has developed. And it's also just what are you willing to – what's the number you're willing to put on the kid? Because basically 
this is like early 90s NFL where free agency just appears, except there's no contracts with this free agency. I mean, well, it's anybody who wants to do it. It's just a matter of what's, what you're willing to, I guess, give for this kid. And, and I don't even think that it's necessarily all um, NIL opportunities. I, I think that part of this is, is he sees himself as the best back on the team, yet his carries don't necessarily reflect that. And he led the team in rushing. He led the team in rushing at the Orange Bowl, you know, uh, and, and his carries don't reflect someone who led the team in rushing. And, and I think that's, that's hard for he and people around him to grasp. You guys know I love those unique stat lines. 32 yards a pop against Vandy. That was Jalen Wright. Had 162 yards or whatever on five carries. I just think we forgot about him a lot of the year because, again, it was always small. As Brent pointed out, when you got in the red zone, we got in the goal line, it was small. Small was out there to start most of the drive. You just forgot about Jalen Wright. But well, that's the one the one bad part, and I'll tell you this. I, I think with Marshawn Lloyd, I think he watched the Orange Bowl, and I think he saw Tennessee's offense. They get they get in, you know, they go out there and they get in their tempo. And running backs don't come off the field. If you start mm-hmm. the drive, you finish the drive, unless there's a huge stoppage of play. And I think that was kind of like, I don't know about that. If I'm stuck over on the bench, it's going to be hard to get to the field. Um, you know, and I and think that's same for receivers. That's same for any position on offense. And so, like, while it's 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 a huge plus if you're on the field, it's a huge negative if you're off. And mm-hmm. so, like, for some, nobody wants to take that chance. Um, whereas, you know, I think you know that's one of the you know the detriments to Jalen Wright, and that's why you forget about him is because Jabari Small started how many drives? A bunch. And then they would never rotate. All right, let's go around the room for some over under here from HS Vol. Squirrel White, 700 receiving yards. Over. 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 I'll go over as well. It's easy when you guys do it. Uh, Pierce, five sacks. I'll start this one. I'll go under. Give me under. that under. It's good. Over. <laughs> Why not? I, I, he's not, he had two this he has year. the potential. To go way over. I agree. But again, it's about growing up. I'm going to yeah. continue to re- reiterate that with those young kids, important offseason, time to grow up. You trust, trust. Play, time to grow up. Trust the guy that told you Mississippi State was going to be a rock fight and bet the mortgage on the under. I'm sorry if anybody's homeless this morning. Uh, and if you remember, I said, it, I said it was going to be a 95 93 final. I was almost there for Tennessee's score. You were closer than I was. Uh, Milton, 20 passing touchdowns. I'll say over. Over. If it's not the over, Grant, Tennessee's had a bad season. Yep, yeah. exactly. Forget the uh, path to 11-win uh, repeat season. Uh, if, if, I mean, if Joe can throw three against a, a Clemson defense, maybe not the most motivated Clemson defense in the world, uh, in the Orange Bowl, um, I think he can throw for more than 20 in the season. And if it's not the over, Joe Milton's not your starting quarterback at Tennessee at some point. Yeah, if it's, if it's not the over, then take the Nico over. I'm not trying to, like, beat a dead horse here, but you remember those years with, with JG where, you know, he would finish with, like, 13 passing touchdowns? Completely different offense, understand that. Well, it, but oh, it, my it, God. See, that's the thing. It's like I, I would be the first to tell you. Like, I need something brown in this bottle. <laughs> If this well, no, is the conversation I, we're gonna have. No, I, but see, like I will still stand on the table for that kid. He, he's he's been in live NFL games this year, as far as on the roster. Like, still has a ton of arm talent. I think he got so screwed up with what they were doing offensively, and then he got battered that first year. Like, again, I I'd love to have seen JG with 
positive reinforcement from Joey Halsley. I mean, no. they, they didn't exactly build that kid up on the practice field. It was, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Well, heck, I mean, if you're scared to make a throw, then you don't need to be playing. No. JG didn't know what they were doing on offense because the coaching staff wasn't sure what they were doing on offense because it changed daily and weekly. There were a lot of contributing factors in there that where there was only 13 passing touchdowns or 12 or whatever it was I, I, that one no, year. Again, the best thing about that kid, I've always said he comes from a good family, is you watch him on, on Twitter and, and he you can tell he still roots for Tennessee. As yep. much as he was treated like trash by some on Twitter, he still – has an, uh, an affection for Tennessee, which is mind-boggling to me because I can tell you where my affinity would be if I'd been talked to the way he was. Why does Kamal Haddon keep getting reps? He's proven to be a liability not only before but also after the whistle. <laughs> well, I, well, we'll see if that changes because you know I'm not you know we'll see if we'll see if he's back over. I'm not sure that that's a a lock deal that uh, he's back on this team in 2023. Who who did you want to play over him at corner? I mean, you got Danico at one side. Who who do you want on the other? Deshaun Rucker, Christian Charles. I mean, it yeah. was. I mean, they rotated guys. They're just they're just they didn't have any options there. Yeah, I mean, not that, in the that's why games. these young guys. That's why these young guys have to show up and be a factor. Grant, outside of uh, maybe Brandon Turnage, who was in that lineup because he was injured. Um, there's and Danico Slaughter, who I would put on a peg above him. I mean, there's there's nobody more talented than Kamal Haddon. Um, now consistency. And also just shutting up after the play, not doing stupid stuff, was his biggest downfall. Come on, add the great lesson and just have the utmost confidence in yourself, regardless of, <laughs> of, of what's going on. Even if you even if you get beat, like the, the short memory thing. I played defensive back in high school years and years and years ago, and that was the thing: short memory. You get beat, move on to the next play. Uh, shout out to Kamal Had nobody moved on quicker than he did. I mean, it was as soon as the whistle, play was whistled dead. If he got beat, he was turned around. Uh, talking we should all have as much confidence in ourselves as that dude has in him so ubu baby ubu looking towards next football season will tennessee have the best situation to quarterback going into the season than anybody that they face depends on spencer Uh, rattler comes back at south carolina right yeah i mean basically the entire east will have a new quarterback um and joe's not necessarily a new quarterback um the west few more returners. I mean, Texas A&M will bring back the kid they started the back end of the year. Arkansas has their guy back. Ole Miss has their guy back. Uh, Mississippi State has their guy back. I mean, the West is different. Uh, the East, it's all new. If if Joe is the man, I don't know the complete SEC quarterback situation, but if Joe is the man and you can rely on him week in and week out and you have a five-star freshman and Nico being the backup, I think that gives you – one of the best situations in the league, if not the best. But again, I don't know what the entire situation of the league is. Let's get a couple more here. We'll finish off with, let's go do little ball. We'll do two more. Do little ball as a whole. Do you think the conference will be better or worse next season? Which teams do you feel confident? will take a step up or a step back. That kind of goes on with at least for South Carolina, if Rattler's back in town. Well, I think the, I think the East will take a little bit of a step back. Um, just because of all the, the newness at quarterback. Uh, Georgia, maybe not, because they've got all those five-stars sitting there waiting to take over. And then they've added some really nice pieces out of the transfer portal to go around it. And obviously, Bowers uh, will be back. Um, as, as for the West, I think it could be better, because I think A&M can be better than they were this past year. Arkansas is another year 
um, down the road with with KJ Jefferson. Um, I think Mississippi State probably takes a step back. I think LSU can be really good again. Ole Miss kind of you know it's kind of a 50-50 type thing, and then Alabama and Auburn. Auburn should be better just because. And Alabama will be better just because they don't miss the playoff. Like I have no idea what they're going to do at quarterback, and they have a lot of talent. Obviously, same old song and dance every year with the number of guys that they have uh, going to the NFL draft, but they're going to be better just because they don't miss playoffs multiple years in a row. Well, it's going to be interesting, the quarterback decision at Alabama. You're going to have redshirt freshman Ty Simpson versus those two 2023 signees. And, it, you know, they're going to be youth and inexperience at that position uh, unless they bring somebody in at this point. I don't know who that would even be because it ain't going to be Jalen Milrow. He's going to change positions or transfer out. Well, and, and I think you have, you know, when you look at where, where's Bill O'Brien going, certainly feels like he's going to the NFL. So what do they do as their offensive coordinator if that happens? Does How does Jimbo Fisher change? You know, one thing – the one thing about LSU, you knew they were going to be better because they had a complete wholesale coaching change. You knew that roster had talent. Texas A&M's got talent on the roster, but they haven't done wholesale coaching changes. So what does that, what does that look like? Does Jimbo Fisher manage that team better this year, this coming year than he did this past year when he's going to be on the hot seat? There's going to be – Every time they go to take the field, there's going to be more and more talk about Jimbo Fisher and his, you know, and his stability at Texas A&M, which makes you wonder a little bit about that. At Mississippi State, what do they look like offensively? Right, right. I mean, Mike Leach, you know, God rest his soul and prayers to his family. I mean, what, what do they become offensively? Are they going to still try to run that system that was his creation, or do they try to morph into something else? So. Um, that there's some unknown over in the West too. I agree with you. Auburn's going to be better. There, there's some unknown certainly in the West as well. Last one. Let's go to a run cross country. Um, are there a couple of things that went differently than expected for so many of you guys to predict a loss against Clemson? Everyone essentially got Tennessee score, right? But not Clemson's. Thank you. Uh, we'll go around the room here really quick to end things. I'll, I'll lead off. Um, I'll be 100% honest with you, be 100 emoji, didn't see that performance from Joe Milton. Also, didn't have Clemson missing three field goals and faking a field goal on the opening possession. So kind of a mixture of those two is why the score was different from them than how I predicted, Brent. Yeah, I mean, Clemson went two of four in the red zone, um, you know, with only one touchdown. I mean, Tennessee's red zone numbers were great. Tennessee's third down conversion defense in their territory was great. If, if You know, if you just say going into the game, Grant, that Clemson was going to Missed three field goals, only scored one touchdown and four trips in the red zone, and only convert two third downs on Tennessee's side of the field. I would have changed my score prediction. So that that that's I didn't see those numbers coming from Tennessee's defense against Clemson's offense. I didn't think Clemson's offense was great, but I didn't see Tennessee being able to do that on their side of the field. Y'all didn't hear me Friday at lunch say, "Watch out for BT Potter tonight. He's about to <laughs> he's about to push two wide right and just be standing there twiddling his thumbs while Dabo's kid runs the fake field goal." Y'all don't I must have missed that. that. <laughs> I mean, for me, it's because Tim Banks morphed into Buddy Ryan and, and Joe Milton was Jim McMahon. And I don't know who the fridge was, but suddenly it was the 85 Bears once the once Clemson got into the red zone. I mean, I don't I don't remember the score I predicted, but it, I didn't think Clemson was scoring. I, I thought Clemson would have 14 in the first quarter. I didn't think Clemson was going to end the game with 14. So everything that happened on defense is exactly why I did not predict Tennessee to only give up 14 points. Yeah, for me, the uncertainty with with, with Joe, um, just because you didn't know how they would call the game. That's I didn't know how they would call the game, um, you know. And then you know we we just didn't know, you know, 
was Clemson was Klubnik better because North Carolina is just awful, or was he uh, still the guy that everybody had you know kind of talked about all year? He was still kind of that guy running off his back foot. I will say this: the more I went back and looked after the game, I want to say we all should have kind of thought Tennessee's defense would be able to get off the field enough. They've done that all year. I mean, if you said going into the year they're going to play 13 games. 10 of the 13, the opponent's not going to get to 30 points. And on, and one of those three that, that did get it only got to 33. Like, this defense was a much better than everybody realizes. And, and, and I think that people forget that because of that one game against South Carolina. If you take every take that game off the board, it's really impressive what Tim Banks and everybody got done this year as far as being able to get off the field. They give up a ton of yards, but that's how they're going to play. They were able to get off the field against nearly everybody. And, and – looked far better than they did a year ago with basically the same, you know, the same defense out there running around. Add in these young guys and let's see what happens. I'm, I, that's why I think next year defensively, I'm just really excited to kind of see where this thing goes because I do think they took a huge step this year. Well, and nobody thought against Clemson, or I didn't think, that Tennessee's front four could could throw the quarterback around the way that they did. I mean, Tennessee had just not been that. They, they had had a couple of games where they had gotten to the quarterback with just bringing four, LSU being one of them. Uh, I wasn't sure Tennessee could truly get home. But Byron Young, he, he may only got a couple of sacks, but, I mean, he knocked the quarterback down about 12 times, you know, and, and I wasn't sure Tennessee could do that. So that factored into my score prediction as well. All right, AP, I know you got to run, but uh, Grant's making me ask this one. TR Smoova or whatever. If Hubs is Andy Griffith of the VolQuest staff, who is Barney, Gomer, Goober, Otis, Howard, and Warren? All right, let me go. Let me start. <laughs> AP is Barney because Barney and Andy are always together. You never see them apart. They're, wherever Andy is, there's Barney. Wherever Barney is, there's Andy. <laughs> me, and, uh, me and Rob will, will be Gomer and Goober because we're always at the filling station doing the same stuff at the Thompson Bowling Arena. Uh I don't know who Floyd is. I don't, I don't know who Otis is either. I've been I, Matt I've, Ray I've been is Floyd. Matt Ray is Floyd. Matt Ray is Floyd at the barbershop. Does he have a southern accent? Oh, I've been known to I've been known to be Otis a time or two though, and ride a <laughs> ride a cow thinking it's a horse. I, and eliminate eliminate Howard Sprague and Warren. We're not even going there. No, no, th- those are not characters that should even qualify as as, as cast members on the. I, I would say that I'm more Opie than than than. You're not that young. <laughs> Well, I mean, compare. Look at Hubs and look at me. I mean, tell me. I mean, there's only like nine years between us, but come on, it's like you know. <laughs> but the question states that Hubs is Andy when really Hubs has the Barney build. This right. is true. I don't got to put that dog. weighted chain on to make weight. That's right. Exactly. I'll be the dog. I don't know who any of these people are outside of Andy and Barney. You're the loaded goat that they drag out of town. Who's the kid? Who's you're, the kid? Is that Opie? Opie's hey, the kid. Hey, you're you're Rafe McAllister there. Eric, I'll hey, Google Ray, him. I don't know. Ray no, Hollister, you know who, I mean, who Eric is? He's the guy that 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 plays the side parts, and he's like fifteen different characters. He's Sam's meat cleaver in the Brady Bunch. That's who Eric is. I can do That's that. That's who Eric is. Wasn't that? What was that guy's name? He was at the grocery store. Fought Barney. He's gonna fight Barney. And he, and he had the roadside grocery stand too. Yep. He was yeah, big in the grocery deal. I can buy into that. He was a crook in one episode. Everything he did it all. All right, next week we're going to do How I Met Your Mother character, so stay tuned. All right, <laughs> that's it for the Volquest Millbag Podcast. You know Good questions. Be, you know what that'll be, Eric Kane? What's that? Cricket. Legend. <laughs> Wait for it. 
theory. And whoever was Barney in this exercise will not be Barney in next week's exercise. <laughs> I can go ahead and tell you that right now. Well, that awesome would be, be Barney because you're, you know, you're, you like the ladies. I'm a merry man. <laughs> awesome price. Great Ramey, Brent Hubs, Eric K. Appreciate you guys for tuning in to the Ball Quest Mailbag Podcast. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday, everybody. You've been listening to the Ball Quest Mailbag Podcast every week, right here on Ball Quest. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.